Here's here the good news. Sin destroys. It's a tearing apart of the world that God created, a world where God and man live together in fellowship. Sin murders a brother and then seeks out another to kill. It wrecks havoc among families, causes societies to devolve into disorder, and twists a person into mental and physical darkness. But our God gives life. He sent Jesus to be the light in a dark world. Jesus cast out demons that destroy the people they inhabit. He heals people and forgives sinners for their wrongdoings and brings them to his table. He brings people back from the dead unto a new life. These things he did during his ministry to highlight what it would be like after his death and resurrection and ascension. The sin that forever decreated has been dealt with at the cross, and a new creation has dawned. A new life, a new kingdom, a transformation from each of us, for each of us, from sinners into saints, from slavery to sin into the family of the God of life. You live in this new life, and you live with our great God. Brothers and sisters, having truly confessed our sins, God himself promises you the forgiveness of the Father, the victory of the Son, and the glory and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Believe this and rejoice. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. God's word to us this morning begins in Revelation chapter 4. Hear the word of the Lord. After these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. And around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and upon the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne proceed flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal, and in the center and around the throne four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. And the first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each, of, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy art thou, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou didst create all things, and because of thy will they existed and were created. We'll turn now to Second Chronicles chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. 
Now Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor, and he allied himself by marriage with Ahab. And some years later, he went down to visit Ahab at Samaria. And Ahab slaughtered many sheep and oxen for him and the people who were with him, and induced him to go up against Ramoth-Gilead. And Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me against Ramoth-Gilead? And he said to him, I am as you are, and my people as your people, and we will be with you in the battle. Moreover, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire first for the word of Yahweh. Then the king of Israel assembled the prophets, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go against Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for God will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not yet a prophet of Yahweh here that we may inquire of him? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of Yahweh, but I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. But Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah, Imla's son. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting each on his throne, arrayed in their robes, and they were sitting at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Cheniah, made horns of iron for himself and said, Thus says Yahweh, With these you shall gore the Arameans until they are consumed. And all the prophets were prophesying thus, saying, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and succeed, for Yahweh will give it into the hand of the king. Then the messenger who went to summon Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Behold, the words of the prophets are uniformly favorable to the king, so please let your word be like one of them and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As Yahweh lives, what my God says, that I will speak. And when he came to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go up to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? He said, Go up and succeed, for they will be given into your hand. Then the king said to him, How many times must I adjure you to speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of Yahweh? So he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep which have no shepherd. And Yahweh said, These have no master. Let each of them return to his house in peace. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? And Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of Yahweh. I saw Yahweh sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing on his right and on his left. And Yahweh said, Who will entice Ahab, king of Israel, to go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said this, while another said that. Then a spirit came forward and stood before Yahweh and said, I will entice him. And Yahweh said to him, How? And he said, I will go and, he, and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Then he said, You are to entice him and prevail also. Go and do so. Now therefore, behold, Yahweh has put a deceiving spirit in the mouth of these your prophets, for Yahweh has proclaimed disaster against you. Then Zedekiah, the son of Keniah, came near and spoke and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, How did the spirit of Yahweh pass from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see on that day when you enter an inner room to hide yourself. Then the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, 
and say, Thus says the king, Put this man in prison and feed him sparingly with bread and water until I return safely. And Micaiah said, If you indeed return safely, Yahweh has not spoken by me. And he said, Listen, all you people. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up against Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself, and they went into battle. Now the king of Aram had commanded the captains of his chariot, saying, Do not fight with small or great, but with the king of Israel alone. So it came about when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat, that they said, It is the king of Israel. But they turned aside to fight against him. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and Yahweh helped him, and God diverted them from him. Then it happened when the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel, that they turned back from pursuing him. And a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel in a joint of his armor. So he said to the driver of the chariot, Turn around and take me out of the fight, for I am severely wounded. And the battle raged that day, and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot in front of the Arameans until the evening, and at sunset he died. Then Jehoshaphat the king of Judah returned in safety to his house in Jerusalem, and Jehu the son of Hanani the seer went out to meet him and said to king Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate Yahweh, and so bring wrath on yourself from Yahweh? But there is some good in you, for you have removed the Asheroth from the land, and you have set your heart to seek God. So Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem and went out against again among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim and brought them back to Yahweh, the God of their fathers. Let us turn now to the back of our bulletin and read together as a congregation, Psalm 89, verses 5 through 18. Psalm 89. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones, and awesome above all who are around him. O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. You crushed Rahab like a carcass. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. The north and the south, you have created them. Tabor and Hermon, joyously praise your name. You have a mighty arm, strong as your hand, high your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who exult in your name all the day, and in your righteousness are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength, by your favor our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father. <clears throat> Father, we thank you 
that we can come into your presence and we thank you now for time and space. This time each Lord's Day is a holy time and this space each Lord's Day is a holy space just as Moses was told take off your shoes for the place you're standing is holy ground whenever we're with you what surrounds you is holiness now teach us from your holy word we pray in Christ's name amen One of the Bible teachers that I loved to listen to, don't listen to him much anymore, although you can get an app and get all his sermons, is S. Lewis Johnson. And I uh, heard him say in one of his sermons that each night his wife would get on her side of the bed and he would get on his side of the bed and they would kneel down and pray. I'm ashamed that we do not follow what Scripture says. The posture of the Bible has become very unimportant to us. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. We don't kneel in this church. And some people will say, well, yeah, I'm kneeling in my heart. And I say, that's a bunch of hooey-tooey, a bunch of hogwash. We're going to be reading things that I'm going to change the translation on some parts as we read because I'm going to give you the Hebrew as it is. And it's going to say things we don't do. And the question is, should we do them? And I want you to think about it as we go. Uh, the bulletin and all that's in it doesn't largely apply to what I'm preaching today because actually I was going to be preaching on chapter 18 and now I'm not. It's one of those things that happens, the bulletin's made out and every now and then I change my mind and I decided, you know, there's too much there, I can't do it. So we're going to be looking at chapter 17. And uh, Jehoshaphat, Mishpat, is the word judgment that comes from shapat, which is the verb to judge, and jeho comes from Yahweh. So Jehoshaphat's name means Yahweh judges. And of course, in the book of Chronicles, it's an evaluation of the kings of Judah. And it's repetitive because all men and women are alike. We all think we're so different from one another, but we're very much alike. And of course, there are some men who stand out like David and Solomon and Jehoshaphat and Hezekiah and Josiah. They stand out and they're put into a certain class, but they all have an Achilles heel and it's sin. So all of them are just men, they sin. But the kings of Judah, actually, as we'll see in a minute, the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, lives in a house 
right next door to Yahweh's house. There's a uh, pathway between the two. It's about three or four feet wide, so you can walk between the two of them. But they're put side by side because what's done in the Bible is very important, always. It's not just there as uh, extra words to fill in to keep us going. But uh, Jehoshaphat and all the kings that are Davidic kings sit on the right hand of God. And in fact, each of them is called the son of God. Thus Caiaphas said to Jesus, I adjure you, tell us, are you the Christ, the king, the son of God? Well, he certainly didn't mean son of God the way we think of it, because we think of divinity. But he was only thinking of the Davidic covenant. I'll be a father to him, and he'll be a son to me. Well, of course, uh, sons and fathers are alike. Of course, when kids are young, they don't want to be like their dad so much. I mean, when they're really young, they want to be like their dad. And then they get to be teenagers and growing, they think, I'm not going to be like my dad. Because part of the problem is they can look at their dad and they can say, he's got some weaknesses. I don't want those. And, uh, you know, Caleb's said it right to my face. Well, I was talking to a young man uh, a few weeks back, and he said, Mr. Nelson, you know, I said, I don't want to be like my dad, but I've discovered I'm just like my dad. (laughs) And uh, the son of God, Jehoshaphat, is supposed to be as much as a human being can be just like his dad. So are we. Because after all, we're sons and daughters of God. He's our Father, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hey, Dad. None of us here would say, well, I don't want to be like my Father in heaven. We'd all say we want to be, but sometimes things happen in our lives that show, well, that's not quite true. We don't always want to be because we mess up and we have weaknesses and we can't seem to overcome them. But of course, the sons of God in the Davidic covenant are to be like their dad in a way, well, that we might think we can't be. After all, they're rulers of nations. And in fact, the kingdom is the Lord's kingdom. It's Yahweh's kingdom. And they're just in his stead. They're sitting on the throne. And so it's important that they do as their father would do. It's stressed throughout the Bible. Stressed particularly in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Torah means instruction, the instruction. And it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 4, where uh, Moses, as he does often in Deuteronomy, is instructing the people to keep God's word. And he says, I've been giving you 
statutes and judgments so that you can live and go over to the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess. Be careful to do them that you might live. Don't add to them. Don't take away from them that you might go into the land and possess it and live in it. Remember, your eyes have seen what I did at Baal Peor. That's really Baal Peor. Anybody know what he did at Baal Peor? Well, what God did is kill 24,000 of his people. Why? Because 24,000 men found the Baal, Baal worshippers of Peor to be pretty nice, cute, and they went and had relations with them. And when they came back into the camp, they were put to death. Make sure you remember this, God says to them. Watch over your soul diligently. Don't let them ever depart from your heart that you might make them known to your sons and your grandsons all of this is stressing if you do not obey the covenant trouble is coming and god says in deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 6 so keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of all the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. And what great nation is there? that has a God so near as is Yahweh, our God, whenever we call on him. So here's this nation, and sitting in the center of the nation is Yahweh's house. And right over here on the right hand, because the king represents Yahweh, is Jehoshaphat. And Jesus says at the end of Revelation, he who overcomes, I will grant him to sit on my throne as I conquered and sit on my father's throne. Oh, now you may think, well, he's talking about after I die and he returns, I'll sit on. No, he's not talking about that. He's talking about the here and now. Because we're risen and seated in the heavenly places, which is the place from where God rules, and you and I are supposed to be like our dad, our father. Well, as I said, Chronicles is repetitive, and so much of what we have to say is repetitive. Peter says to his readers, uh, for me to say this again, is not burdensome to me, but it's safe to you. 
So apparently the Lord thinks as we work through these kings and we hear the same thing over and over and over, that it's safe. We need it. We need to be reminded. Asa was a good king. He had a son named Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat became king. And after him, his son would become king. His son was terrible. But Jehoshaphat is a good king. And uh, coming out of chapter 16, moving into chapter 17 of 2 Chronicles, there's an introductory section that talks about God's evaluation of Jehoshaphat. And the key word in that section is the word with. With. It's found in verses 1 through 6. Then there's a second paragraph that goes from chapter 17, verses 7 to 11. And the key word in that paragraph is the word dread. Dread. Then there's a paragraph about armies. Jehoshaphat assembled an army in that little country of Judah of 1.16 million men. 1 million, 160 that 160,000 men. The key section, the key word in the third paragraph is the word great. In fact, your Bible may say greater and greater as mine does, but it, what it says in the Hebrew is the word over great. And the word over, it comes from the word that means to ascend. And from that is built a preposition, over. And that word over sounds just like the word that we've been looking at in 2 Chronicles, unfaithfulness. They're not the same word. They have the same consonants in Hebrew as one another. So when you say them, if you don't have the context, you wouldn't know what it means. When you say them, they sound exactly alike. They're, they're homonyms. And what is being stressed is Jehoshaphat's over-faithfulness. It's a pun. He's over-great compared to kings like Saul, who were unfaithful, like who goes in and he burns incense at the altar of incense and he was unfaithful. He committed a, a ma'al. So Jehoshaphat is cast in a good light. But then next week, not next week, the week after, we come to 2 Chronicles 18 and we discover Jehoshaphat is stupid because he arranges a marriage with a daughter that worships, with a girl that worships Baal, the daughter of Ahab, so that he can have an alliance with Israel, a people who hate God. And he's chided for it, as we heard from, from uh, Hyde reading. And he comes around again, and then in the end, he makes another alliance with somebody who hates God. He's just stupid. But of course, that's kind of what we're like. You know, we're coasting along, doing good, growing in Christ, and then we do something stupid. 
and we're hoping nobody noticed. Well, for these poor kings, it's all unveiled and set before our eyes. Turn, if you would, to 2 Chronicles chapter 17, where it says, Jehoshaphat, his son, picking up from chapter 16, we're talking about Asa, then became king in his place, and he made his position over Israel firm. Notice. It doesn't say over Judah. It says over Israel. Because the throne in Jerusalem that's at the right hand of Yahweh's throne is a throne that's supposed to be over all Israel, not just two tribes. The rightful king is Jehoshaphat. And what he did is he made his kingship strong is the word. And the problem when you look at these kings and you see, oh man, they're doing so well and they've fortified and they're getting stronger and stronger and they don't want to get strong, they get stupid. The pride gets the better of them and they do something stupid because at one point they reach a point where they're no longer leaning on Yahweh. So he made his kingship strong over Israel. How do you do that? Verse 2. He placed, uh, he placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah, and he set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa, his father, had captured. So what he's doing is he's going and he's securing his borders. Just like our borders are secured. We we're grateful for that because people would overrun us otherwise. And that's what he's doing. Because all the people that are around Judah, they, they, they're not God-fearers. They don't worship Yahweh. They want land. Just like Russia wants land. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? Then it goes on, it says, Yahweh was with Jehoshaphat. Yahweh was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the way of his father David's he walked in the way of his father in David's earlier days and did not seek the Baals. So now we get the Baal in 2 Chronicles and uh, we're going to be talking about it from this point on, how Judah and Israel had a tendency to follow after Baal. It's really pronounced Baal, but we don't talk that way. So God was with him because he was like David. That means he had a heart for God like David did. He didn't seek after Baal, but he sought the God of his father, walked in his commandments, and did not act as Israel did. So this is... This is the thing. Here's the word. The word seek, sought, is a word that runs throughout. And the problem is set up in chapter 10 of 1 Chronicles 
because Saul did not seek the Lord. He sought a spiritist. Now, a medium. Now, let me just say, Christians need to stand up and beware. These statutes and these judgments, they are your wisdom and understanding. You go and you seek after the philosophy and the stuff of the Baals in Syria and elsewhere. No. God's not for syncretism. He is for us looking into his word and finding wisdom and understanding there. Those are the two words that fill out the book of Proverbs. Wisdom, understanding is a word that means to think, but it's in parallelism with wisdom. So they're, 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 they're much alike. And what, what, what Moses says to the nation, these statutes and judgments that I'm teaching you today, this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of all of the peoples around you. And they will say, this is a great nation because of their law. Now, you see, we have a kingdom inserted right into a kingdom. Here's the kingdom of the United States and inserted right into it is God's kingdom. And right now, the church is not at ease, not resting with the kingdom of the United States. The kingdom of the United States wants to do us in. But, but, Proverbs says in chapter 16, verse 7, and I ask you before I quote it, do you believe this? If a man's ways please the Lord... He will even make his enemies to be at peace with him. What does that tell you? Well, I've been reiterating. It's the message of Chronicles. The church has got a huge problem. And the problem isn't just if Craig's okay. You know good and well he's not okay. And the problem's not just if you're okay. The problem is, is the church okay? We don't hang individually. We hang like this as a group. And if the group is a mess, we're counted in the mess. Even though we individually might be faithful. God was with Jehoshaphat. Why? Because he walked in the ways of his father, David. He kept the law. He didn't seek after other philosophies. He sought God only. And it says not only that, but in verse 6 it says, excuse me, verse 5. So, yeah, no. Uh, I'm not at the right point. So he, he put to death. He took down the high places and the ashram. The ashram are the female goddesses in the Baal worship. And you'll see that this keeps happening. 
And at the end, it'll say, well, he didn't get rid of the high places. But in, in the middle, it says he's getting rid of the high places. That is, <laughs> Judah, Israel had a problem. Kings would come along, start tearing this stuff down, and somebody's coming right back behind him, putting it back up. They didn't have a whole heart for God. Jehoshaphat did. So God was with him. Now, that, that means just what it says. Because he pleased the Lord, God was with him. If he wasn't pleasing to the Lord, God would not be with him. Well, it's not like God would be absent. But it means something like, well, he wouldn't be heard. David could pray, excuse me, Jehoshaphat could pray all he wants, and God wouldn't hear him. Well, not that he wouldn't hear him. He'd hear what he's saying. He just wouldn't pay attention to it. But God was with him because he sought after God, and he didn't seek after something else. Matthew is just such a gospel, isn't it? Because Joseph is ready to put his espoused wife away because she's pregnant. He hears about it. And the, the angel comes and speaks to him and says, no, no this is of the Holy Spirit. She's going to bear a son, and you're going to call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Who are his people? Well, you're his people. And then it quotes from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, about a virgin who's going to be with child and give birth. And his name's going to be Emmanuel, God with us. And here we are, God's people. And he's with us. How is he with us? He's with us. Because each believer in this room, each person in this room, bears within him the Spirit of God. You've been bought with a price. And the Spirit of God lives in you, which is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He's with you. And Jesus even said so. If I, if I don't go away, the Spirit won't come. He's been with you, but now he'll be in you. Everybody gets the spirit who comes to Christ. He's with us. And by the time you get to the end of the book, go therefore and make disciples. Nope, that's not what it says, remember. Go therefore, make the nations disciples, baptizing them in the one name, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all I've commanded you, things like the book of Deuteronomy. And lo, I am with you to the end of the age. Well, now, when you begin to look at this word with and you follow the whole story of Jehoshaphat, you become a person who's discovered the power of God at work. Battles were won for Jehoshaphat without lifting a bow and arrow, but instead blowing a trumpet and playing a guitar. We need more trumpets and guitars, don't we? How? How did that happen? Because God was with him. It's, it's fantastic. And Paul reminds us in Ephesians about this great power. We have, in accordance with the strength of the power of the might that brought Jesus Christ forth from the dead and seated him in the heavens far above all rule, principality, and dominion, that's God with us. We don't need to be afraid. We need to step out 
but not with guns, not with missiles. How? Well, I'll tell you how, and we'll, we will be talking about this in a few weeks. When we come together into this space that's made holy, in this time that's holy, and we don't lift up a rifle, we lift up our voices. That's how we'll win the battle. And we will win. So the first section, with, is the key word. Because, why? Jehoshaphat pleased the Lord because he followed in his father David's way. Second section is verses 7 through 11. Then in the third year of his reign, he sent his officials. Ben, I can't. I know Hebrew and I can't pronounce these words. Ben-Hail, you know what that means? Son of strength. Ben-Hail, uh, Obadiah, it either means Yahweh serves or it means servant of Yahweh. There are great names here if you're going to have kids. Look. There's one really nice long one that would just sound so fantastic if you could say it. Zechariah, Yahweh remembers. Nathaniel, God gives. Micaiah, who is like God, to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them, the Levites. Shemaiah, God, Yahweh, hears. Nathaniah, Yahweh hears. Zebiah, Yahweh bestows. I, 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 the last one I said wrong. Yahweh gives, then Yahweh bestows. Asahel, God does. In other words, God does the work. And here's the one I can, can't pronounce. And nobody's quite sure what it means, but I'm going to tell you what it means. It means high name. There's no name higher than the name of God. Then Jehoathothan, Nothan, what is that? Yahweh gives. Adonijah, Yahweh is my master. Tobijah, Yahweh is good. You getting the point? They all bear the names of the religion. Jeboadiah, Yahweh, the Lord, is my master. The Levites, and with them, Elshemeah, my God hears, and then Jehoram. Yahweh is exalted. These are the priests. And what did they do? They taught in Judah, having the book of the Torah of Yahweh with them. And they went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught among the people. So here are the teachers. And then part of this same paragraph, now the dread of Yahweh 
was on all the kingdoms of the lands which were around Judah, so that they did not make war with Jehoshaphat. Some of the Philistines lifted up tribute like silver to Jehoshaphat. And the Arabians also brought for him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. Now, notice, Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, and the nations around them brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, because I said, the house on the right, the right hand of Yahweh, is the son, and he's like his dad. And what is the call of Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 16? Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name, and lift up a tribute to Yahweh. That's what they're doing. So over here is Jehoshaphat. There's nothing wrong with this. This is great, because... Over here, there's a throne, you can't see it, and there's a God, and he's not there. His presence somehow is there, but you can't see what's going on in that room. But over here, you can watch Jehoshaphat, and people come, and they uh, march up that Solomonic throne, up six steps, carrying their gift to hold it out to the king. The king hardly needs it. The king's got lots of money. But, of course, it's his position. It's who he is. He's God's son. He's the one who reigns. And particularly, Jehoshaphat, he knows how to judge rightly. He knows how to reign correctly. He sends out his, his officials and his Levites and his priests into all the land to teach all the people what? Statutes and judgments. And this is your wisdom and your understanding. With. With. And then this section here. Dread. So, in teaching all the people who are now turning to Yahweh and living for Yahweh, the nations around have a dread of Yahweh. They don't want to mess with Judah. The United States wants to mess with the church because the church is just messing around. When a man's ways please the Lord, he causes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed this. I mean, you've got such a poor preacher, but Second Chronicles is just absolutely fantastic, isn't it? Man, this stuff is good. Wish I were younger with a better memory so I could memorize all of it, especially those names. Then notice verse 12, the third section. So Jehoshaphat grew greater and greater and he built fortresses 
and store cities in Judah. He had large supplies in the, in the cities of Judah and warriors, valiant men. And then he's going to go on to describe, look at verse 14, this was their muster. You muster an army. You don't gather it. And there's 1,160,000 valiant warriors of Judah and Benjamin ready for battle. And they're mustered. Well, they're mustered when you go out to battle, and that means what you got to do is you got to go up to the temple, and you got to walk by the temple in a little bin, and you got to toss in your temple half shekel. It's worth more than a civic half shekel. You toss it in there to atone for your sins, and so that you will be protected in battle. It's the mustering. It is the thing David didn't do in 1 Chronicles 21. He didn't muster. He just numbered them to show what a great guy he was. But when you're going to do something for Yahweh, you muster them. And, and Jehoshaphat did what God wanted. He mustered the troops. So you see, this guy's got a great army for defense. And he's growing greater and greater. And all around, he's got these fortresses guarding his land, and he's got storehouses. And in the storehouses, as we'll find out in chapter 32, well, the storehouses are for the basics of the country. Oil, wine, and grain. They're the basics because of what the people use, but it's also the basics because that's what's used at the temple. Oil, wine, and grain. So this city is established just as we're told up above. God established them. Well, it tells us that, uh, that Jehoshaphat, in verse 2, he made it firm. He established it. But, of course, whatever a man does, God can override. But he didn't override what, what Jehoshaphat did. Instead, he too established it. Why? Because Jehoshaphat's ways pleased the Lord. He sought after God, Yahweh God. He didn't seek after the Baals. And so there's this numbering. Look down at the last verse because all of it down to there is, is numbering. And by the way, I, I didn't bring it out, but if you start in verse 7 and you work your way down, you will discover that just as Yahweh was with him, the Levites, the priests, the officials, they were with him. And these one million plus men were with him. Because when Yahweh's with you, he puts those in league with you who think the same. That is, they worship Yahweh. These are they who served the king. Apart from those the king put in the fortified cities through all Judah. Now, yeah, Jehoshaphat's over here, he's on the right, and he's got 1,160,000 people that serve him, plus more that he just appointed. And here's Yahweh God sitting on his throne with Jehoshaphat, 
Jehoshaphat at his right hand. Yahweh God has servants all around the world. This is a picture. You see something about God when you look at Jehoshaphat. Yahweh's judgment. He grew greater and greater. It's a pun, as I said. He's over great. He's over faithful. No ma'al with him. No unfaithfulness with him. He is great. Well, when it says greater and greater, it's using some language that's used of other kings who became proud. They became proud in their heart. And they were some good kings. One of them was Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, God did great things for Hezekiah. Then Hezekiah got sick, and he prayed to the Lord, and Yahweh healed him, and even gave him a sign that things would be okay. And the text says, but he didn't return a benefit for what God had done. And what happened? He opened all his storehouses, and the officials from Babylon came, and he showed him, all his weapons, everything he got, he showed it to him. And Isaiah comes in and said, what did you do? Well, I showed it all to them. In other words, look at me. Look who I am. The very thing Israelites were told not to do when they entered the promised land, when you get all these trees that are planted, all this fruit and houses you didn't build, don't get puffed up as if you did that. That's what Hezekiah did. He got puffed up. And so God says, here's what's going to happen, Hezekiah. All your stuff's going to go to Babylon along with your seed. Your descendants are going to go to serve the king in Babylon. And then the text says, but Hezekiah humbled himself. Oh, he got greater and greater and greater, puffed up over great. Now in a negative way. But then when God came along, mishpat judgment. What did he do? He got himself down lower and lower and lower and lower. In other words, to put it in Old Testament terminology, he got himself face down on the ground. You see, you see, body posture matters. I'm ashamed of the church today because we don't care about those things. Why? I'll tell you why. We're too proud. Stand with me. You, Father, are a great God, far above all gods. You made heaven and earth. You own it all, you rule it all, you do everything perfectly. And then you stoop down and you become with us in the person of Jesus Christ. And we just want to pause and thank you for that. And we thank you for the Spirit who's come to dwell in us, to help us understand your word and to guide us and lead us in following it. And we know with our weaknesses and our humanity, 
and still living in the flesh, we could stray so easily. So help us to think through this little section of your word about Jehoshaphat and help us to be people who seek Yahweh. This we pray in his name. Amen.